It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's start our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. All right, Dan, so it's got to be about the quarterback. <laughs> it's always about the quarterback, especially when you have a quarterback who's getting as much attention and scrutiny as Justin Fields. I think that the way that it was best described, and it was you today, and you sort of referred to the shouting matches on again, and it feels like the extremism has returned <laughs> if it ever left at all. In the context of a quarterback that has completed 34 passes and been sacked 16 times, I fear that it's going into two different camps. One is that the Bears are totally negligent and fully responsible for stunning his growth by not giving him an offensive line to protect him or receivers to throw to. And then I fear there are those that believe that, you know what, he just hasn't done the basics and he can't even complete a short pass, so it's more on him than it is anything else, when in fact – I would believe and offer that some of the former is true, some of the latter is true, and the truth, as it often can be found, is right in the middle in that gray area. Well, I've had some moments this week that caused me to ask a question that we can sort of flush out here on the program. It's, is Chicago ready for the next three months, right? Like, the first month hasn't gone well, right? It's It's been a, an uneven uh, performance from the second-year quarterback, Justin Fields. It's been uh, an outcry uh, of supporters trying to overshout the detractors who are trying to overshout the other supporters who are trying to overshout the detractors. And and look, like we lived this with Mitch Trubisky. We lived it with Jay Cutler. You rewind all the way back to Rex Grossman. At least when we were talking about good Rex and bad Rex, there were actually good games on Rex's resume to say that's good Rex. We haven't had that from Justin, right? Like we, 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 we haven't gotten there. And so his supporters are digging in uh, on on a foundation that isn't there. Right. And, and then the detractors feel momentum. They go after him to your point internally here at house hall inside this building they understand that there are 13 more games left in the season ideally justin starts all 13 of them they make progress along the way there are flashes of brilliance that offset some of these slump you know extended stretches of 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 failure and you get somewhere closer to uh, a, a middle ground here but i don't know aside from justin whether our audience, whether the Chicago Bears fan base, has enough left in their sort of emotional fuel tank to to get to the end of this. I've wondered the same thing, and I don't think that they feel like they're rationing any sort of perspective. That's the thing is that, you know, when we look at this as kind of in our roles as we're not fans, we are the unfan. We're trying to be objective and rational and take the long view of this when, when I think that, you know, that's our responsibility, I feel like, to provide context on a weekly basis. It can be, you know, frustrating for people to hear, well, you know, after four games, you don't want to conclude anything. And criticizing is not, you know, concluding. And I think you have to always remind people of that because it sounds somewhat redundant. As a fan, you can react however you want to. You can be a however irrational you choose. But I think what we're trying to reinforce is that it will take more time. And, and to that end, Dan, I, I think that 
I think that what we heard on Thursday from Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator, which is I, a lot of people will look at what he said and they'll look, they'll read the headline or they'll read the quotes in a story and maybe not hear the way that he said it. I just feel like when he talked about he tried to say it wasn't a bad month for Justin Fields. <laughs> I, I know what he was trying to do, but let's listen to Luke Getze when he was asked about, uh, and the question included the the f- framing of putting it, this has been a bad month for Justin Fields, and this is the way Luke Getze responded. I don't think he's had a rough month. I think he's I think he's gotten better each week. Um, I think he's growing tremendously. And, uh, you know, it's not easy. We're playing good football teams, and uh, – it's not easy to become, you know, the level quarterback that he wants to become, and I know that he can uh, he can become, and and so we're. And the, the important thing is that we stay focused, we stay, uh, we keep our eyes on that progress or on that process, and we make sure we get better each and every week. And and I be, and I believe that we we're, we're in the in that phase. You were there, Dan. What was your reaction, and how did you process what Lugetti said there? So, I think that the offensive coordinator was trying to offer a public vote of support for his quarterback, right? And 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 to to maybe project something that that he doesn't fully believe, right? I don't think there's anyone in the NFL that would look at what happened with this Bears offense in the month of September and the first weekend of October and say that wasn't a rough month. I mean Justin is 32nd in the league in completion percentage. He's 32nd in completions. He's 32nd in passing yards. He's 32nd in passer rating. By any statistical measure, that qualifies as rough. And it's also rough with the way it is looked. Now I think some of Luke's points were that there there are a lot of things around Justin that are creating some of the the inefficiencies in the offense and and we've detailed it here that there are problems with the receiving core there are problems with the offensive line there are sometimes problems with with offensive approach in, in various areas of the field and various parts of the game and so there is a bigger picture here i would just say that that you have to be very careful at this stage of projecting too much of that right stuff that that people will see as either disingenuous or flawed right and 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 so that particular soundbite is the type of thing that's going to get traction and it's going to get legs now i will say this david luke in in his uh press conference today was openly critical of several decisions justin made he was openly critical of several throws justin made he was openly critical of a a run that he made where he ran as we talked about on on our previous episode right into a defender when he had room to the outside to to gain more yards and so um that helped kind of balance what he said about it not being a rough month but i i think people are going to cling to that how can you say it's not a rough month what are your eyes seeing and what do we do with this and i think he also uh, you were there and I watched it. He, he corrected somebody or he interjected when they asked him about Justin Fields only completing 50% of his plays. <laughs> he said, well, it should have been less than that because there's six to eight plays <laughs> where he should have thrown the ball away and took a, you know, and, and took a sack. Yeah. So I, I don't view the totality of the way he has approached this as any coach in denial. I, I looked at it a different way, maybe, and, and I don't want to sound like Luke Getze's apologist, but but I think that he is taking the long view because he has to. He's saying things that he knows he has to show support where other people have quickly abandoned Justin Fields, which is within their right as a fan, which is within their you know, job description as a commentator, columnist, analyst, or talk show host, whatever the case. I don't think Luke Getze can be that guy, and I think today was an example of, of that he won't be that guy. And I would liken it to this. 
when you're talking about, you know, to stay with the whole idea, Luke Getze, your honeymoon is over. <laughs> that ended in Green Bay, right? But he is wedded to the idea that Justin Fields is going to be the franchise quarterback. He is married to that concept. The rest of us are just dating the idea. We're trying it out. We're seeing other people. We're like, okay, we're not committed to having to be Justin Fields or or bust or Justin Fields or, you know, that he has right. to work out. Luke Getze, to him, you've got to do whatever you can as, as his coach, as his mentor, as his support system to say, you know what? We're going to tell you privately you're struggling. Publicly, I've got your back. And this right. is an example of that because I am going to do whatever it takes to make this work. Well, the other part of this that I think was notable, and Luke acknowledged this on Thursday afternoon, is that is that the outside world looks at this through a different lens, right? And, and, and everyone in the outside world right now is trying to answer, is Justin the guy? Is Justin the guy? Is he going to be the guy long term? And internally, Luke is saying, what we're focused on is how can we help him get to a spot in week 18 this year that has shown that he has grown, that he has developed, that he has made progress in many key areas of playing quarterback in the NFL. And so they can't feel that outside noise and outside pressure. Listen, there's got to be an urgency here to enliven this passing game. Everyone would agree with that. But I always talk about that, you know, Kiefer Sutherland 24 clock, right? Where you hear the beeping of every second until the bomb explodes, right? And they cannot have Justin Fields feeling like his career bomb is ticking loudly in his head. And that if he doesn't, you know, turn it around in week five of, of year two and 2022 that that it, you know that's now the, the the beep is a little bit louder and more shrill and next week it, it 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 explodes right and so there is something here to soothing the 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 nerves i guess and the, and the anxiety and the frustration of justin fields that, that that the coaching staff has to do you don't want to do a lot of that because you want to be able to coach football right and then you want to be able to get to the nitty-gritty of right. what it takes to play quarterback in this league right now they're trying to get through a, a rough patch here and, and and having to balance you know x's and o's with with some psychological tweaking as well and i think he's also got to remember that beyond the quarterback as important as that task is as much of a priority as it remains, there are other priorities. There are other <laughs> interests. There are other players that were drafted whose development matters because the more improvement you see from Braxton Jones, the more improvement you see from Larry Borum, your offensive line, your tight end, your receiving core, whoever the case, that your quarterback is going to improve along the way. So I found it interesting when Luke Getze was asked about another question about Justin Fields, and he came back and he sounded this way. We have a lot more than just evaluating Justin Fields going on right now. And I think that's easy for, you know, that's what everybody wants to evaluate the quarterback all the time, right? And I get it. It's all good. So this is a process for, for all 11. And so there's so many factors going into what's going on around Justin to just sit here and say, oh, we're only focused on is this guy going to be the guy or not? That's literally not even on my mind, or I don't think it's on anybody's mind in this building. We're just in this process of getting better, right? How can we get each guy in this building to get better each and every week. And as long as we continue to get better, then we're going in the right direction, and, and, and we believe that. See, I thought that was a good answer, Dan. I don't know what you thought of it, but I thought that, again, to me, that was a very football, commonsensical response to a question that he knew was coming. 
process oriented, right? Luke is process oriented and he wants to stay there. Uh, You know, I'm going to throw something else at you because I think it's worth bringing up in this discussion. And it's, it's Matt Eberflus's role in all this, right? Like we we have spent a lot of time right now talking about Luke Getze and Justin Fields and, and Matt Eberflus is the head coach here. We just came off of four seasons where we knew that the head coach of the football team was heavily involved in the offense and heavily involved in trying to create quarterback success and ultimately didn't succeed at doing so and lost his job. That's Matt Nagy with Mitch Trubisky and all the other guys that he tried in that role. Uh, what's interesting here is, is is Matt, because he's from a defensive-minded background, has almost been been sort of stiff-armed to the side of these conversations, right? And and no one's talking about his role in these. And, and he's, he's never had the experience for obvious reasons of having to develop a quarterback. And so now I think that, that, that as we look big picture with some of this, we have to say, boy, what what is Matt contributing to this, right? And and how can he assist with that? I, I know why you'd ask that. I think the word you might be looking for is absolved. I mean, we have someone <laughs> absolved him of any responsibility here. But at the same time, I, I don't want to do that because I think that might be, you know, careless and you don't need to do that because he is a head coach. But I also then, on the other hand, how often do you blame Andy Reid for the bad Chiefs defense? How often do you complain about the Colts defense and then say it's Frank Reich's fault? I think that in the NFL, you have all kinds of examples where guys come to these big jobs and they come from one side of the ball and they hire the assistant head coach slash offense or the CEO slash offense, however you want to describe it. And not that it absolves them of responsibility, but we kind of know what's going on. I mean, Matt Eberflus has the decisions of, do I punt and pin and fourth down with three minutes to go? Do I, you know, how do I play complimentary football? What decisions do I make? But I don't know that I hold him as responsible for Justin Fields' development as I do Luke Getze or Andrew Janoco or, frankly, Ryan Poles for giving him the talent surrounding him to get the most out of this quarterback. Well, I would just say that that when you make a decision, right, like the Bears did in January to go with a defensive minded coach and you have a quarterback in his second year at a pivotal stage of his development and a guy that you pushed a lot of chips into the middle of the table to jump up and draft that that you, you, you better have something from your head coach that can help bring that along. And then that, I would just put that in the back of your head for the next 14 weeks because we're going to have a lot of time to talk about it. I, I think you're right. And, but then, then, then the, not that it's a problem in going that direction, but what, what I, what I foresee, because I just think we've been here a long time, you know, what's going to happen then the question will then go back to not, what is he not doing to get the most out of Justin Fields? The question will be, what in the heck is he doing here in the first place? <laughs> Why would you hire a defensive minded head coach when he had a quarterback you needed to develop because you needed to get this right and you couldn't get this wrong. And look, you're wrong again. So as a franchise, the skepticism that may have been suspended temporarily would be back with a vengeance. Yeah, I, I mean, this is why I say that that we're we're sort of in this this. Um, I don't want to say tunnel visioned, but but singularly focused world here right now with the 2022 Bears because there's so little happening outside of the quarterback position that is right. interesting, notable, or important, right? <laughs> well, and so and, and so the entire conversation is revolving around this on a daily and weekly basis, and it's something the Bears have to juggle as they go through it. Can I tie up one loose end for you? Yes. Um, on, we talked so at length about the four verticals play in our last podcast episode, the play that Justin didn't see Mooney open for a touchdown, ultimately took off and ran for a run. I wrote about that in my quarterback review uh, at chicagotribune.com, and we've had more input the last few days from Fields himself, 
from Luke Getze, from Andrew Janoco. And so there's there's a little bit more nuance to this. I, I you know I'm not going to let Justin off the hook on that play. I'm going to cut him a little more slack than I did in our Monday episode and in my quarterback review. And just saying that, listen, the Bears had coached something all week in terms of either take the check down or run if you see that coverage against that specific play. And so in, in some ways, he, he used good instincts. On a third down play, he made sure he got a first down. He saw a wide avenue. Luke Getze said on Thursday afternoon, if, actually, if he, if he runs the ball better and takes a better angle to the outside and avoids the defender, that might be a first down inside the five-yard line, and now we're knocking on the door of the goal line, and we're all talking about this play as a, a huge play that set up a potential touchdown rather than a, a missed touchdown, right? And so th- there's a little bit to this, and then there's, the, the nuance is also that, listen, like, Justin right now is thinking a lot and he's playing in a way where, where the wheels are turning too much, where he doesn't have, have the freedom of mind, I guess, or the, uh, uh, I don't know what you'd call it, but the free headspace to see that receiver who's open down the field, like you would on a playground when a play wasn't called and you just let it loose. And, and Andrew Janoco said Thursday evening, look, you've got to be able to listen to your feet, but even when you're listening to your feet and you're doing all the right things that we've coached you process-wise, eventually experience has got to tell you, get my eyes up. Oh my God, that guy is not covered. He's near the goal line and I can just rip a shot here and we score six points. And so Justin's got to hit that. Uh, there's a little bit more to it than, than the last time we discussed this play on, on Monday evening. He just looks too uncomfortable. To Mechanical, un- right? To, un- to unleash that kind of athleticism. And I think that's part of the part of the issue. Okay, before we get to where we are on the development meter and move on, <laughs> um, in, in, in the light of everything we just said, if you had to talk about a reasonable bar for Justin Fields to clear, <laughs> and last week I somewhat yeah. mock you can, can because, I can I read ahead. this to the audience? Because I yes, think it's good. And, and and you mocked me, but like it was it was justifiable mocking. I tweeted this as part of the the kind of thoughts before the Bears game that I had on Sunday, and I said back to Fields for a moment. What about a day today with 14 completions, 170 passing yards, and a TD? Would you sign up for that production and label it as encouraging? Quick reply from my my good buddy David Haw on the Take the North podcast, and he said, "Don't trip over that low bar." And I laughed out loud because you're absolutely right; it is an incredibly low bar. And it was part of the reason I asked the question is because things have been so so bad in terms of the passing game production in the first month of the season that that, that a stat line like that was was sort of like, "Okay, let's try to get here." Okay, can we just try to get to this weird level of mediocrity, and then we'll celebrate that as encouraging? And guess what? He didn't get to 14 completions. He did get to a 170 passing yards. He didn't throw a touchdown. So he failed on two of those three low bar goals that I set for him. And so now what do we do, David? Where do we set the bar for week five? Well, just so you know, we are all snipers on social media <laughs> one time or another. So uh, I like it. I, that, 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 that's a good shot from you. I, I think the bar has got to be low, though. And I think that part of Luke Getz's rhetoric on Thursday reflected that. And that's not that's not really settling that's not doing anything but being realistic and i think realistically you've got to crawl before you walk walk before you run and i think that right now you're at the okay let's take that next step and it it involves i think you know 14 completions against this vikings team 170 passing yards for a guy that has you know 34 passes completed in in four games and is the lowest rated quarterback in the nfl that 
would be legitimate progress and not the kind of manufactured kind that we've been talking about in Chicago all week. Well, and also this, right? Like Justin hits the 56 yarder to Darnell Mooney and everyone sits on the edge of their couch and says, that's it, right? That's really cool to watch. Well, let's, let's, I'm not asking for 56 yards two or three times a game, but let's have three or four plays at the end of a game where we can ask Justin for more detail on play X, Y, Z, you know, uh, what, what about your second touchdown pass, right? Like let, let, let's get to that level where that, those conversations can occur and maybe the tone of everything will, will loosen up a little bit. Obviously, it starts with producing those moments on the field so that the outside world has something else to talk about other than the, these numbers that are that are so staggeringly low. Speaking of tone, I have to address this before we move on to our next category. At the podium, he was, again, reticent this week. He was very reluctant to share many details. It seemed like a guy that wanted to be anywhere, anywhere else but explaining why he's playing so poorly Cause effect. What what effect did you? What reaction did you have to that? I, I think that before you answer, I'll, I'll say this: people have speculated. Well, you know that shows how little confidence he has and and how much it suffered. I don't believe that necessarily. I think that he has not lost confidence. It's not about confidence. It's about tolerance. Right. I don't That's think it. he wants to be there. I don't think he wants to subject himself to the kind of questions from people that can't understand in his mind what he's going through and how big and enormous the challenge really is. And I just think that is more of a reflection of a 23-year-old that is like, why are, why are, are you guys and everybody else picking on me because you don't know what I'm dealing with. I'm with you on that. I, I I would use the word agitation, right? And tolerance is a good word as well. And it's something that has to improve because this is part of the role. I mean, we've talked about it more than once and it's 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 probably a shame that we've had to address this multiple times because it's really easy. I mean, that that news conference on Wednesday afternoon was five minutes. It's not hard to, 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 to get in a, a, a upbeat mood for five minutes, even if it's a, a little bit false, right? Like just to just to to wall off the critics for a little bit. Don't give them red meat to jump on. Right. And so, so Justin's got to learn that and somebody has got to help him with that and understanding, look, man, like it will do you no good to get up here and be curt and to be agitated and to show uh, sort of slumped in your seat frustration outwardly. It's just, it's not going to help anything. And so you got to just, you know, for six minutes, lock in, right. Lock in and, and, and get up there and sit up tall and tell a joke and, and do some different things. You know, I, I don't know. Again, it, this comes back to play on the field. And as soon as the play on the field, a allows an opening for other questions to be asked. I think some of this will naturally lighten. So step one, go out and make some play Sunday against the Vikings. Give the, the rest of the world other things to talk about, and then the conversation will be a little bit more comfortable. So in light of that conversation on Wednesday in front of reporters, in light of the performance on Sunday against the Giants, our Justin Fields development meter stands at concerned. I think we can agree that it stands at concerned, didn't really move the needle much this week. Dan, do you agree with where that currently stands? I do. Needle shook a little bit, right? Like it shook yep. toward 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 worried a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, like we're going to have some evidence here in the next few weeks with a, a a couple unorthodox weeks, right? Like the Bears are going after after Minneapolis. They go into short week against the Commanders, followed by a super long week before they play on Monday night in Foxborough. So there's going to be some different challenges that will uh, will test Justin a little bit more as well as this entire football team. Fine work on the meter there, Adam Stadzinski, our ace uh, producer. 